Hiya, it's Rodcast again with me, Lee Durrant. Today's very special guest is Ian Moyes. Um, this is going to be a long introduction because Ian, um, as you'll find out by, by listening to this episode, is, is many things or does many things. A very busy man. Um, he's currently non-exec director for Digital Leadership Associates, who are experts in social media, a company called Zar, who are a managed cloud and IT services provider. Uh, FAST, which is the Federation Against Software Theft, uh, Assure Data, who are a GDPR training firm. He's also an advisory board member to SAS Max Beta, uh, a, a SAS applications platform. Uh, he's also governance board member of SIF, which is the um, cloud industry forum. And he has, still has time to be, uh, his, his main role is the EMEA sales director at Natabox. Uh, being the, um, the most integrated Salesforce experience. Um, it's it's an interesting episode because Ian talks about his career, but also talks about the wider world, you know, cloud, Salesforce, of course, and just how it, how it's gone in the last, I think he's been in it since 2001. Um, so really, quite a, you know, quite a long one, an in-depth one, but hopefully you'll learn an awful lot about um, you know, Ian's experiences and, and the wider world of cloud as well as Salesforce and of course Natabox. Hope you guys enjoy. So Ian, thanks very much for joining us uh, today. H- how are you doing? Good, good Lee. Thank you for the invite as well. No, I really appreciate it and um, I, I do my research as as I do just before we have a chat you, you've got to be probably the busiest person we've we've had on so far because I was just looking at <laughs> thinking initially oh EMEA sales director Natabox busy enough doing that but then I noticed yeah. that if you're an advisor a, a non-exec director a speaker a presenter there's so much there's so much else you do as well um I guess really if you don't mind just just do a little introduction for yourself uh for, on yourself for everyone listening to and, and explaining what it is that you currently do that'd be great sure so so the, the day job as you quite rightly say is um i'm a mere sales director at salesforce cloud telephony provider Natabox. so that that's that's the core piece right but around that over the past number of years more by accident than uh, uh, setting out to do so i've ended up as um Involved as a non-exec on things like the industry bodies, cloud industry forum, federation against software theft, um, as a non-exec at different times on some other firms in and around the the, the cloud um, sector. And I speak, I'm a school speaker, I speak a lot of events and I get asked to blog and social influence for a lot of major corporations in, in the technology and specifically the cloud sector. So... And what I've found is, is the more you do it, the more you get invited to do it. If you do a good yeah. job, uh, of providing value and insight to the audience, whether it be at a speaking event or through a blog you've written, other people tend to spot it. So I, I tend to get inbounds every week through um, social media direct uh, messages of, do you do this or could you help with this? Or we notice this, could you do something for us? Which is all nice, but as you quite rightly say, time's limited. So it's <laughs> a bit of a game of shuffling stuff in, right? I, uh, um, and I often forget I've done stuff. I, I, I find a podcast like this or a blog comes out and, I've, uh, and it's four months later because people schedule stuff ahead, of course, into their yeah. uh, content um, library. And I'd forgotten I'd even done it. I had one the <laughs> other day where I was talking to them. I said, oh, I've forgotten about that. So, but it's a bit of a game of doing stuff in front of the TV in the evenings, weekends. Um, 
if you're in between me. And the great thing about the social side, the influence of some of it is you can do it on the move in a taxi, right? So there's an element of that. Hardest thing for me is writing blogs because you have to really give it some thought. Um, yeah. and I, I get the ideas quicker than I get the, uh, the the writing it. So I've got probably 20 or 30 blog drafts of the headline and a couple of bullets all written out, ready to go. But it's it's finding the time, as you have already said, of sitting down and actually writing them. Yeah, I totally can. I understand that as well. Yeah, we, we have the same sort of thing here. And um, I think people listening, it will be really interesting to, 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 to listen to your journey because clearly you've, um, you've risen through the ranks uh, to become the, the EMEA sales director at Natavox um, and all these other uh, non-exec direct roles you've got. Um, it'd be interesting to see going back to the beginning, what you would, you know, how you got into this, what your career kind of was prior to Natavox and, um, you know, what you were doing maybe before yeah, briefly sure. before you got into this cloud stuff and, and yeah uh, i'll do it very quickly because it's more interesting to me than everyone else right but <laughs> i got into computing because uh, right at the beginning someone moved in in uh, as a neighbor at a neighbor who had um one of the old i won't say which one it was because it would date me but one of the very basic old computers that hardly did anything and didn't have whizzy graphics mm. and i was just hooked from the start so at that point i did everything around mathematics english and got to be a programmer at ibm Oh, and nice. that, that was my goal. It was techie, get my hands on this stuff. A couple of years into that, um, I, I saw the I came across the world of or the role that existed of sales. Saw an opportunity and realised that salespeople at the time and, and probably still now got a lot of the perks. Right, so mm. mobile phones as they were then a brick that you you need a suitcase to carry, but um, company car and all this stuff, all the illustrious stuff. And I was, how how am I going to get that? And I was aspirational and took the leap from, uh, as, may, as many say, no one does successfully, hopefully I'm case in point of proving it wrong, of, from technical to sales. I absolutely made the spin, went into inside sales, got promoted to field sales in under a year. And that was all in channel. So I did channel for many, many years. I did channel both in the distribution and the resale market before I ended up in um, Vendorland, where, where I've sat now for quite a while. And in that transition, I ended up going from product. So I sold software product for many, many years of different types, whether it be system management or security, uh, moving into the cloud space. And that was more by accident than selection. It was came across a job opportunity in the security space, the locality, the pack, you know, everything about it, the role looked good. But it wasn't because it was cloud. It, it wasn't the, oh, I must get into cloud. That was yeah. just a byproduct. It happened to be a cloud solution. But since I got into it, I've never looked back. I've been in cloud for the last 13 years um, and watched the evolution of vendors such as Salesforce, I'm sure we'll touch on in a second. And we, we're in a very different world very quickly where, where that, you know, that was about 13 years ago. And technology has moved, has moved at an accelerated pace continually and continues to do so. Yeah, which was- makes it more interesting. But you've got to, you've got to continually reinvent yourself and, and stay relevant for that reason absolutely and um when um when it comes to you know being a sales leader as you are now when did that when did that sort of start in the salesforce space when when did the cloud thing become more specific to salesforce was there a particular yeah, so I, I i first used salesforce in around 2001 right. when i set a uk office up for a, a us firm um so one of the many smaller or startups that that i've instigated and i had six people in an office in Reading and needed some tools and stuff. And at that time, Salesforce had a five user free edition. 
So I can say it now because it's probably safely further further on. But we use the five user edition, and one of us, some of us shared one of the IDs, right? Rather than because the minute you bought the sixth license, it became expensive for everyone. Yeah, and we were stuck up. So we used the five user edition. Um, so right back there, I guess that's three years into sales. So it's a, it was I was going to say, yeah, because they were in 1999, didn't they start? Was it, I think. 98, 99, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the product was, you know, it wasn't out day one they founded the business, but mm. it was the early, earliest editions, I guess, of, of when Salesforce existed and people didn't really know the name apart from the new kid on the block. Siebel was the market leader in CRM and the brand. Yeah. Um, but the Siebels of this world were just too, you know, a small, I, I needed something flexible and to be blunt cheap at the time because and, and there was this great five user you know get you started edition it was a no-brainer and, and that's yeah. why they did it obviously to look what they've built from it that's over crazy. that journey yeah and if we just to fast forward a little bit and i, and I, I, I may jump around a, a tad going sure. to where you are now then from that point where, where does where, where does natterbox sit within salesforce just for people that perhaps haven't heard sure. it or don't know much about it yeah, yeah, sure. So f- firstly, a good standpoint is we run a whole business on sales cloud, service cloud, um, you know, financial force and, and Salesforce um, app exchange tools such as Conga. So we are fully on board as a customer. Right. With Salesforce. Our business, what, what, we, what we have and we own our own technology that we sell is a fully end-to-end cloud-based telephony platform. So uh, that we have embedded within Salesforce. So we're the most integrated phone system you can get with Salesforce. And that's from end to end. So we own the PBX technology, the engine, the core um, server routing piece of, of, of the telephone system through to the uh, CTI, the computer telephony integration, the, 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 what you get pop up on your PC as a web phone. Mm. We've built that technology and we've built it around Salesforce. So for a Salesforce customer, we're fully in the app exchange. You install the whole phone system from there, and we support the Salesforce users in all of the platforms, force.com, service cloud, sales cloud, communities, omnichannel, et cetera. So we live that world. We, we, we eat our own dog food. We run a whole, a whole business on, on what we sell to customers and Salesforce, and we live solely in that ecosystem, supporting and- customers who have Salesforce in their business, but we also support all the other phone users in the business, but through Salesforce. Salesforce becomes your your core engine at the center of your phone system. And the beauty of that, the bit, the bit that's different to wrap up is we allow you to leverage Salesforce and the phone system together. So we leverage Salesforce data to personalize the phone journey. For example, when the phone comes through, you call us and it says, morning, Lee. Uh, good to see you. We'll put you through to in your account manager. Simple mm. for example, because we do a data dip in Salesforce, see who your phone number is related to, can address you by name, and then can detect your account managers and route it to them. Or that you've got a ticket open and we need to put it to a particular team or pro- dynamic voice messages to you. And all, we can do wondrous stuff. And all the data we create off of what you do with the phone system goes in Salesforce as well. So it's our core engine for all our data, for the admin portal, and for a lot of the users to use. And, and was that always the case? Were, were, were Natterbox always Salesforce? And forgive my ignorance here. Or That's right. were, you, were you telephony so it was really, outside yeah. of Salesforce before and then and sort of found it? Really pertinent question. So originally, yes, we were sales. We integrated with Salesforce from the beginning, um, but not as deep as we did today. What we discovered on our journey of building our own cloud system, we're a telco ourselves, and building 
the most robust cloud platform is, that market, as I said, markets are, are moving quick. The cloud telephony market generically um, commoditized very quickly. So the fact you've got a cloud PBX, great. So some of that. So we were looking at, okay, we're already playing in this Salesforce community and we're seeing the value and we're understanding and hearing what customers really want to do. Yeah. That could be a very big niche for us. And so it's proved to be. I mean, growing at such a pace. Yeah. Um, and the type of customers in that. Well, the type of customers that buy Salesforce t- tend to care about customer experience mm. and, and data and, what you, and, and logging ticket and doing the, they're using it as a tool for a reason, right? Or productivity of your team and data and knowledge and nice reports. Otherwise, why using that rich platform? And the basis of that, we work very well on the back of because we complement that. We, um, the benefits we bring are to enhance customer experience and to improve productivity and uh, how informed your own staff are. So our, our alignment to the values you're getting out of the system are very aligned with sale, what you get from Salesforce. Put the two to two together, you get this two plus two equals six compounding effect or eight or nine or 10, et cetera. Yeah. Because you get more value from the data you have in Salesforce for all, every single user in your business. And, um, and the customer gets a, a, a value from it. You tell me your phone number. So, Lee, we're talking to you. I don't have your mobile in our system. Would you mind if I store it for GDPR compliance? I'm asking you for consent. Because the value to you is if I do, is should you call us, we'll be able to route your call with more personalization quicker. So we're not going to give you the menu with six options if you only can access three of those services, for example. We'll give you the three you can. Or when we detect we've got an open ticket for you that's a priority because your boiler's broken, it's at Christmas, we'll be able to treat you differently because the phone call will be detected on the inbound. We'll be able to look up and see you're in, you're in jeopardy right now because you logged a ticket with us earlier. We're going to prioritize your call over a general inquiry. So we can, you can start really changing your customer's experience and also your agent's experience through this but you have to invest in it, right? As you, same as you have Salesforce. So that's why we addressed that market. And we decided, do you know what? Rather than be the jack of all trades and integrate, as we see with many, with 20 or 30 CRM systems mm. and do it light, with light touch, we're going to do the best integration a customer's ever seen with the selected platform being Salesforce. And that's what we've done. And we've built that out over the past three or four years, five years. We focus purely on take the foundation we'd built, which was very strong, and let's really make it the best in the Salesforce world. So, and you, and you touched on GDPR there, which I, I know is mm. uh, probably something that you're quite um, knowledgeable about. Because I, I mm. you know, your advisory and non-executive stuff, a lot, a lot of it seems to be around that. Um, yeah. How? And this is again a bit of a question, just off the top of my head with this one. But with mm. the cloud industry forum, you're a board member of that, aren't you? Is was GDPR yeah. a really big topic? Well, it was. I know it was. Um, would be like a year ago and, and it's yeah is it just me or does it seem to have gone quiet and, and what's the should take off yeah so, so i think so i think you're correct on both counts it's gone quiet in terms of all the um, publicity because of course at that time it was easy in, in every press article you picked up or every article had a different gdpr spin yeah um so and i pulled this up at one point interestingly there was one of the uh, computing publications where they do their daily alerts and there's like the, the top 10 15 articles new news articles and one of them at one point it was something like 50 his 15 new ones and 11 of them mentioned gdpr in some way <laughs> it was a, you know because it was it was the hottest subject etc 
So it's gone away a little bit in terms of, of the noise. But what we're seeing now, and it's sort of what I predicted when I spoke about it at the time, we're seeing the aftermath. We're seeing some of the publicity now around the fines that are hitting companies. We've seen it with the Marriott. We've seen it with British Airways. We've seen it with some of the retailers. Um, so we're seeing some of the consequences of GDPR that you have to report data leaks. You have to be more transparent by law. And therefore, the noise has gone up. So it's still happening. It's still there. And if you work in the cloud space, you know, consistently, anyone that looks at contracts and, and, and signing up a new cloud vendor, GDPR, where's your GDPR terms? Where is it? Where, you know, all of that stuff is got to be in your contract and people question it. And so, yeah, so the, it, it's still lively. I think it's just under the covers and not in the press yeah. today, not on the mainstream news until something bad happens um, with one of these big stories. But it hasn't gone away by any means. And in fact, it's a, it, it, to a degree, it's getting more complex because we've obviously got, and I, I was trying to avoid the word, but Brexit. <laughs> yeah. And that's implications. We've got the Cloud Act from the US, um, which uh, is uh, the next iteration of US data law. Um, so, and questions are coming up now around, well, which one supersedes, which, which one takes priority? And if we leave Brexit, what happens? And you know, so there's nothing to fear in this, but the people have questions because unless you've already read up on it and when the, finally that dawns on you, of we're about to sign a service and we're in a different territory and actually, what does that mean? So rightly, people are asking questions about it. So it's still there, it's still loud and proud. Um, and I think we've got a way to go in terms of when I was heavily involved in that, when it was coming to market and, and in May 2018 and getting becoming legality, um, there was lots of talk about it, but lots of companies weren't going to be ready in time. Mm. And I think there's still lots of companies that you could argue aren't compliant. And what's going to happen is they'll get, they'll, it's driven them to be a bit better. But I think what will happen is we'll see more breaches and that's either a consequence of them not up in their game or because they haven't been fully compliant. If you have a breach, um, once it goes through the process and the ICO in the UK, for example, looks at you, if you've ticked every box there is and done everything to the highest possible level, you're still in there. They understand, right? You, mm. you you drove your car, you had an accident, but it's MOT'd, it's insured, it's serviced, the tyres are good, everything's good. Didn't stop you having the accident, but we're not going to throw the book at you. If they yeah. if you have an accident and they find you've got bald tyres, you haven't got insurance, all the rest of it, the, the consequence is bigger, right? Because of you're sort of haven't followed the rules and done done everything you could have possibly done. The same with security and GDPR. If you've battened down the bridges, you've followed all the process, you've ticked all the boxes as best as humanly possible, they're not going to throw the absolute book at you in the biggest fine. You're not negligent. Right, okay. But if you're found to be negligent, the fines are going to be bigger. And that's what we're seeing starting to happen in the, in the publicity today. Some of the fines are quite extreme in size because companies, you know, if you've taken the bet that, we can get away with it. We'll never get, we'll never get a breach. We'll never get hacked. We'll, so we just, we're not willing to spend the money in investment. We'll get around to it. And then it happens. Like what else are they going to do? They've, they've got to show others that you, this cannot be acceptable. So that, that's um, a really good analogy, the, the, the car insurance one. And mm. I guess people listening that were thinking of maybe using uh, uh, or getting Natterbox would, would at least know it's, it's good to know that you're there and you, you've obviously advised internally. Oh, absolutely. We, we were GDPR ticked before it went live, all the right stuff. And we're continually, it isn't a one-off thing. That's the other key thing. Mm. So we're continually reviewing 
we've, we're already a um, Brexit ready. We've done everything needed that should, worst case obviously is the hard Brexit, should it happen, we've got everything lined up for our existing and prospective new customers in terms of the diligence and the compliance, uh, what they'd expect us to have in place as to where our contracts are uh, centred and where the data and how we handle it and what the policies are and tick 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 all those wondrous things Mm. we've already done that just in case because you can't you can't do this stuff post you can't wait and see and just in case and certainly not in the cloud world where people inherently ask questions about data and data sovereignty and rightly so so we need to be transparent and ready and we are it sounds like it definitely um and bringing bringing it back a little bit more into the salesforce excuse me world so you've been around in the Salesforce space for, as we've established, a long time now. Probably yeah. one of the first adopters, by the sounds of it, in the UK, if you were doing it in 2001. Um, sure. So how, how do you find the world of Salesforce like today, as of 2019, where we are? Um, and, you know, because you've been doing it for so, so many years now, what, what, what for you has changed in, in, the, in that time? Well, I, th- I think generically the world around them changed, and Salesforce has contributed to that, right? The cloud is an acceptable word to use now. You know, at that time, when I got into cloud in 2006, in terms of on the sales side of engaging with customers and hearing the the concerns and objections, um, there was a lot of concern over having my data with someone else. You know, that was one of the fundamentals. That's to the majority gone away now. It still comes up. There's still concern because not everyone understands cloud is a very easy term and under it you've got of course SAS, PaaS and IaaS and all the variants of hybrid and all the complexities and then you've got the big three AWS and, and Google um, Compute and Azure and you keep going and going and going so there's a lot more to it than saying it's the word cloud therefore uh, it's end of story so, so there's devil in the detail however most businesses today are using cloud of some sort they're, they're cloud aware or cloud committed as we call them so you know, and Salesforce has contributed massively to that in its success. Um, you know, if we go, we, we ride on the back of it. But if you go and talk to a customer who's, who's using Salesforce or Office 365, as an example, then inherently they've accepted cloud as being acceptable and they've accepted it for something that holds important business data, right? Which is your email um, or your customer data. Mm. So it sort of bridges the way for other cloud providers to ride on the back of. If you've already got one of those mainstream platforms holding important personal information, which is the key to this, if if you're just storing generic information and it's not personally identifiable and you leak it, who cares? Because it doesn't tell anyone anything. But where it's personally identifiable information, that's the key. That's where all these data laws apply. And you're trusting these cloud services to hold it. Well, why are you going to resist another cloud service? Yes, you're going to ask questions of that vendor. Yeah. in terms of their security and all the all, all, all your due diligence things which you should but generically you're not questioning cloud you're you're questioning their implementation of cloud which is a fair thing to do because not all clouds are born equal not everyone is a an amazon or a salesforce right yeah um, so it's changed the dynamic and what i've seen change of course is salesforce has become a it, it's continually moved on in terms of its breadth when you look at the breadth of uh, platforms it has, yeah, and then all the sub modules within them. And I, I, I was with Salesforce themselves not, uh, a few weeks ago, and, and had a very good slide which showed that. And because normally we describe it as service cloud, sales cloud, 
um, financial for you know that there's these top level platforms mm. and force.com etc so you go well there's four or five right but when you start delving down this part of well you go underneath those covers there's then sub modules and some it's actually an extensive portfolio they have of solutions which with their recent acquisitions has broadened even far further and of course they're adding to that with things like high velocity sales um, and some of the other modules that they're, 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 they're new to the market from them so it, you know, and then you go to the app exchange where we sit as Netterbox. So, yeah. you know, they've taken it from what the days when I got as a CRM uh, platform and it was Salesforce. So yeah. you didn't have this concept of sales cloud. It was just, it's Salesforce CRM. That was it. It, it named itself yeah. to yeah. now where, where does it stop, stop and start right with, I think it's, I might get this number wrong, but something like 3000 apps in the app exchange. This is a, a core platform that, is so extensive um, and all-encompassing that you can do wondrous things with it. But, so the game's changed, and they've ch- they, so they've helped change the cloud market in themselves. I think they're a very different business now than they were when I first engaged. For the for the better, or, or just, just yeah, to- I mean, well, if they'd only been CRM, I think they'd have had more of a challenge today, right, in differentiation, mm. because you know we've seen. To, men- to mention in, in the Salesforce world, I guess the ugly word, the Microsoft um, mm. Dynamics product came from nowhere. They didn't have a so Microsoft wasn't in the CRM space. Wasn't in a lot of spaces, right? And they've changed and become a cloud committed company. And we've seen the acquisitions of the likes of NetSuite. We've seen Siebel go, um, mm. which was an interesting displacement, I guess, for, that Salesforce contributed to. Um, but there's still a lot of CRMs out there. Um, you know, it's not a, there's probably nine or 10 major CRMs, but they're not having worked in that space. If you actually want to search for vertical markets, you want to search for geographic markets. At one point I came across a list of 400 different CRM products, some of which were very focused on a particular sector um, and some which were predominant in a particular region. You know, there was a German CRM product that didn't exist anywhere else. Niche product, you could argue, but was successful in their area. Yeah. So there's a lot of platforms out there. So for them to have taken the lead they've taken, they had to broaden and do something different or they'd have been great. We're a CRM. We're one of many. What made them differ is the journey they've taken customers on and expanding the capability far beyond holding some customer data. So, and, and, and who knows what's coming next, but, but, but that, which will be one of the questions which was kind of right at the end of this, uh, mm. this podcast, but uh, bringing it back to you then and your career, what mm. would you say at this point the, with the journey you've been on, what's been the biggest challenge for you um, in your career so far and, and, and how did you overcome that? So I just think that the speed of change and the accelerated change, as I mentioned at the beginning, and that, that covers, you know, GDPR. We've got things like GDPR, Brexit have appeared. They've checked that you have to deal with these things. You can't go, well, I haven't had those problems before. So these are outside influences from, mm. you know, political and, and legal stances that you can't, and certainly in the cloud world, you can't ignore because they impact the customer and the customer's interaction and questions of you. And the biodynamics change, I talk about this on a lot of other podcasts around selling, but we've all changed as customers. We've become more informed, more fickle, um, and more demanding. Yeah. Because of the likes of Uber and Amazon. And I talk at events about this, right? And it, it's just the real world. We all, it's all of us. I say you as the audience and anyone listening to, the, to this podcast, think about your behaviors. 15 years ago, or roughly, we didn't have social media. 
you didn't have the Amazons this world with reviews of every product. You couldn't uh, go on and look at a product, see the reviews, compare it to, oh, other people like these, and here's 12 alternatives. <clears throat> You'd have to do all that work yourself. It's done for you and handed to you on a plate on any device, any time, 24-7. You can order something and have it with you. Often with Prime, you order something and it's, oh, that'll be with you this afternoon. <laughs> what? What? It's 11 o'clock. Really? <clears throat> how yeah. ridiculous if, if someone had said that to us 15 or so years ago i think we'd have all laughed how it just seemed unfeasible today we accept it and take it for granted what's around the corner you know everything's moving quicker the, sp- the, the speed of acceleration now to value for any new biz- innovative business is quicker than we've ever seen in history you can form a business and have a multi-million pound if not billion pound valuation within a couple of years today it's ha- we've seen it happen right mm. where companies are formed and within three years their valuation is over a billion that would never have happened without the technology that we have today in the world we're in typically those companies if you look at the fortune uh, 500 and you look at the top 10 something like eight of them today are tech companies we've got the amazons the facebooks etc it they totally turned on its head the world we were in they're not completely yeah it's it, it, you know Sorry, when you when you say about you know ten fifteen years ago it wasn't there. It's so, it's just, and I'm old enough to you know remember that you know like as you were t- discussing earlier on telephones being like bricks and what have you. And it's um, yeah. well, we wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be doing this on this platform. No, exactly. Um, you know, we, we this would be clunky, probably over phones with a tape recorder or a, uh, a, ta- a record device plugged into the phone in some way. It, this this is seamless, right? We just log onto a web a, a cloud platform. We don't know how this is doing it. We don't care. It's just consume. It, it's consumerized. Yeah, and, you, and a lot of these platforms are free, right? Or a certain usage for free. Absolutely. How incredible is that? I know it's crazy. And how 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 quickly we as users, and that's really all I am. How quickly we just get used to it and think, is that right? Ten years ago, we didn't have all this, but you know, because you just. It, you just get so used to being able to do all this. Um, well, that, that's where the world's changed, right? That's us. Yeah. We remember it. The millennials and the Zeds, <laughs> as, as, as someone else has called them, right, in the industry, yeah. um, they don't know a different world. They have grown up with smartphones, maybe not the version we're at now with iOS, whatever, it's 13.2.2 or whatever. You know, it would have been the earlier versions, but they've never known a world where you didn't have a touchscreen with, with, with that type of interface. Yeah. Never known it. So how many kids, and I've seen it, where they whatever it be and they immediately try and do the old apple swipe because yeah. it's programmed into them that doesn't everything work this way tech hasn't caught up with the human the human expectations have now gone ahead of tech so when something comes out how often do you go wow now right you see a drone and you see a group of drones doing a display all in synchronized yeah that's pretty good but how many people fall off their seats now because we we expect it yeah you know, the James Bond gadget world or, or the Mission Impossible, some of the stuff we've seen Minority Report, all these films. Oh, yeah. It doesn't, you watch those films now, and it doesn't, they're only from 10, 15 years ago. And they, at that point, it's, it felt like they were going to be 200 years in the future. Now you look at it and go, we're pretty close to that now. Yeah, it's, well, in some cases, it's, it's, it's cheaper it. than ever before. I, yeah. I remember, um, this is going off on a tangent, but getting the first iPod and, and thinking how amazing that was, and that, you know, effectively they're, they're, they're dead now, aren't they? Really? Um, yeah. Where it is and, and, and streaming and downloading and all that sort of stuff. But, um, but what I, we've got now, right? And then bring it back to the Salesforce bit is everything is starting to link. You know, the Internet of Things, um, cloud technologies, drones, AI, all of this big data, all of it 
is coming together and you're starting to see this crossover where you don't really know that that device is an IoT device with some AI in it talking to a cloud service somewhere else to be able to do your heating and detect your pattern. You know, you don't care. So it blurs. All you see is, wow, this is neat. Yeah. You know, and that's what Salesforce has done with its app exchange to a degree. It's, you plug all these things in and it should start to be, and that's what our aspiration is, you put us into a Salesforce environment and for the user, it sort of blurs as to, it just feels like it's all Salesforce because it's all integrated. You click on one bit and it takes you into another bit, but you don't sit there going, well, that's taking me from one application to another. It just feels like it's one big application helping you as a user to be more productive, to be more informed and to be more um, useful. But that's for, it might be, it might be a combination of Natabox, Conga, Salesforce, all combined together through the workflow. I talk to the customer. I do this. I do a, a, a credit card transaction. I send them this. Da-da. It just worked. And that was my workflow. But in doing so, I've just used four or five apps. Yeah, but it, but it yeah. didn't feel like that to the user. It wasn't like the old world where you'd flip between systems, perhaps in terminal emulation or different tabs, and they're all in different systems, and you cut, cut and paste data across the worst the world that many people know. Right? <laughs> take the address, take it from one system. Now you want to do it? Let me paste it into the other system. Should just do it for you. And that's one of the things I think Salesforce has done a fantastic job of is making it really easy for app providers like us at Natabox to enable a customer to have a seamless experience brilliant well um when it comes to i'm looking at your again your your background um mm. and there's questions that probably you might think of it silly but but i don't really get me i can't get my head around it so if you if you're able to explain to you know myself and people listening the, the various different parts of the sales cycle, like all, all the all the companies you've worked for so you've worked you know yeah. in, in supply channel um vendor i think as well distributor yeah. reseller what what are the for the lay person like me what are the, what are the differences in all of those and um, sure. how they change the course of what we've just been talking about yeah i can do that very quickly so so the simple definition i would give is the vendor is the manufacturer they create the product so at natabox it is our product and technology for example yeah. salesforce it is their product and technology if you have a distributor they in the historic world were the stockholder they would have a warehouse somewhere and they would stock the product credit hold etc and they would sell to a reseller agent so let let me give you a, a historic example you're a manufacturer of computer pcs the hardware devices um, and you're an american provider but your product can work worldwide so what you would do is you would have a distributor in each country who was your was your distributor for your product they would put your product in the warehouse they would represent it for you in that territory and they would go out and find resellers and dealers in the different counties or states to sell that product. So they would be responsible for your being your sales, your master sales agent in effect in a region, okay. going out and finding the resellers who are based in each county who could service the end customer in their region. And that was the, that really came from the nature of that world, right? If it was a hardware device or a piece of software with a CD, <laughs> You needed a physicality to it. So it needed to move. If you were a customer in Reading in the UK and said, I want to buy a copy of, in those days of WordPerfect word processing, for example, <clears throat> you needed a physical box to buy from someone so that you go to a dealer, a reseller of IT product, and they'd have some boxes there. But they wouldn't carry all hundreds of stock yeah. because they don't know how many they're going to sell in the region in Berkshire. 
So they might say, well, I'm out of stock, but we can get one for you. And they call the distributor who has some stock and say, yeah, we'd like, actually, we've run out. Can we take five copies and we've got one ready to sell here? They'd ship it to them. They'd sell it to the customer. So that's sort of the supply chain in simplistic terms. Yeah. Today, how's it changed, you ask? So that's what I've been, I've written on this many a time. With cloud, Salesforce, prime example, and I use them all the time. Salesforce sells directly to the end customer. Yeah. The Salesforce channel, so to speak, does, there's no distributor. It's a cloud product, so there's no boxes or anything to move around. The credit risk that the channel used to help everyone with, because think about it, you had a reseller, it's their payment, or if the customer did it on invoice, they would chase the payment. You wouldn't have the manufacturer in the States trying to chase every payment to a small customer in Reading. It didn't work. So basically, everyone took a chunk, a, part, a portion of margin into their business for the, bit, the, the service they provided in that supply chain. Mm. In the Salesforce world, on cloud world, if you sell cloud to a customer and they don't pay, it's simple. It's like your phone system, your gas or electricity. It's like a utility. You turn it off. Yeah. You've got control to take the product back. You didn't have that in the old physicality world. So the values and the value proposition of the channels to a degree has changed greatly to what it used to be. Salesforce sells directly, but what are, where's their channels set? Their channels are a couple of things. It's people like us who've built products on the back of their platform and we then get the opportunity to sell through their ecosystem through their app exchange uh, to customers that are using their product so we're part of that extended ecosystem we're a, a partner on the side so to speak we're not selling their product but because of what they do we are enabled to create and sell our product and then you've got the then you've got the implementation partners of course who help customers to implement get the most value out of salesforce but they're not selling you the license of Salesforce typically. Um, and then Salesforce has some, um, what I would call OEM manufacturers in the old days, but partners who take the Salesforce platform, build something of their own on top of it. Take force.com and they build a particular vertical market recruitment application, for example, on top mm. of it, where a particular application for a very niche part of the finance market where they've created it, it works differently. They don't have opportunities. They don't have the customer record in the same way it's called different things with different needs they've built out their custom objects and customized the underlying salesforceforce.com platform to offer a different platform on top of that to the to, to a specific customer need yeah so yeah. salesforce has changed the market in terms of the type of partnership and the type of supply channel is now different in that ecosystem and then you have others like microsoft who still sell through the channels with cloud and I've debated this for many years of at there is a risk with cloud providers that they go direct. Salesforce has done it from the beginning, mm. but it's very easy to sell globally a cloud solution. Natabox, we now have offices, for example, in the US, but we had a plethora of US customers and some very big ones select us without us even being present in the US. And many of them put bought without us even tra- traveling to meet them. Really? We could demo the product over the web. We can mm. install it remotely. We can do everything we need remotely. So we can give them our technology without physically having anything in the US. You couldn't do that in the old days when you had a software product. No one would ever find you. Yeah. But we now live in the internet world, the social world, the peer index world, where customers can find reviews within other platforms like the App Exchange and then reach out to a technology who's on the other side of the world and find something that empowers their business and complement Salesforce without that vendor 
being around the corner from them. Yeah. So it, it, you know, the whole cloud world, the whole internet, the social world has changed the buyer, the buyer engagement and made it easier for a cloud vendor to reach globally and support customers directly more effectively because customers aren't installing on every variation of every PC and every device. It's easier to support a cloud service centrally than it was in the old days to support a product which is installed on 8 million PCs around the world and everyone's got a different patch level and different other products on there conflicting. We're now in a different way. So, you know, a lot of cloud technology vendors now sell direct and they use channels for support and implementation like Salesforce do. Um, and I think we're going to see a continuation of a of progression in that way. New vendors coming in will go that route from the start, as we have, um, and new ven- and, and old traditional vendors who are, I'm watching a lot of them struggling because they haven't fully migrated to the cloud world. Microsoft's done a fantastic job of that, by the way, but many have got, still got their feet in two camps. And for them, I think they... We will see some of them, I think, flip the button of going, actually, we're taking this direct because the financial pressure on them from their new competitors, their new cloud competitors will drive them that way. Not Not the resellers or partners have done anything wrong, but they've got to survive and they've got to be successful in their own business and deliver shareholder value. And if you look at a lot of the big traditional technology vendors, not naming names, but big names we all know, household names, they're not all having the success path that Salesforce is. A lot of them are having to restructure their companies. A lot of them are letting a lot of people go, unfortunately. And we're seeing many under acquisition threat right now. All right, okay. I mean, there's a, this would lend well to the next question, I think, which is, um, sure. and I'm, I'm very aware that time rattles by, doesn't it? Um, I don't want to keep you too long, uh, but I appreciate it. As we discussed earlier, you're very busy. But what would you, there's a couple of things um, about the ecosystem. What would you, particularly say is your favorite your favorite thing about salesforce as an ecosystem i, I won't i won't ask your favorite products I, I think we can all guess the answer to that but <laughs> so what would you say is your favorite your favorite part your favorite you know the, the ecosystem itself what, what makes you so proud to be part of it I, I i just think the way you know you've got the salesforce ohana around it where um you know there's a lot of co-opetition mm. so you know there is co competition you know we, we have competitors obviously um but Conga, i mentioned we use conga in our own business conga is a customer of ours so they use us we use them and that's not not because we planned it that way it just happened to develop that way we have other products we use we we've just you know we have several app exchange a growing number of app exchange vendors who recognize the value and, and understand the value of being in the app exchange and what it means by going through that process by working closely with salesforce and how and the more integrated with you are they understand because they're in the business the more integrated you've got the knock-on value okay so we work with each other so and we bump into each other a lot of events you know it really is a community so at lots of the um salesforce's own events um, but also the community and the user group events you bump into the same people and most of us aren't competing with each other and we're talking how do we enhance a Salesforce customer's value and they enable them to be more competitive and successful in the market? And we introduce, and you, what we find is often we get introductions, which we're proud of, from our customers. And because if you think, if you're a customer in the Salesforce ecosystem, you go to the Salesforce events, 
you talk to other Salesforce customers <laughs> and you share stories. Well, what do you use for such and such? What do you use for documents? What do you use for workflows? What do you use for this, this? And they share stories with each other. Yeah. So you find if you do a good job in the community, the community talks to each other and shares story because they're all trying to you know help each other be better in that um, arena, that Ohana piece. So we get opportunities introduced to us by other customers, by Salesforce, uh, and by other vendors who we've bumped into, sort of get a little bit of awareness of what we do, and we and vice versa. So I think that's the piece. It, it, you know, it, the app exchange and, and that community really works well. But the more you're in it, the more you find this synergy of, I hate to use that word, but mm. of community where you can all help each other with some competition, obviously, but that's the real world. Yeah. And I mean, because you're, you know, we're in the thick of it, I guess. You, does that not exist in, in any other ecosystem? I mean, it must do, surely. I haven't seen it so much. So, you know, in the Windows market, did you really get product a Windows product where you, you got that sharing of it because they were just sitting on the same platform. Mm. I, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't, in my experience in the IT sector after many, many years, I haven't witnessed um, an, an eco, the equivalent of the, the Ohana as, as the one word that describes it. Those in the Salesforce community will know what the link to that is. Mm. Um, I haven't seen that in any others where it's like, it's like a club, right? Where, you keep bumping into the same people. The more you're in it, the more people you bump into, the more commonality of story you've got, the more um, people help each other yeah. and, and cross-pollinate and you, and you start bumping into um, partners. So we, we work a lot with some, a lot of the Salesforce partners who happen, some of them use our phone system and they end up in a project. And of course they can advise the customer and go, well, that's We know about that. And, and we'll end up in there with Salesforce. So, the customer's having a conversation with three or four influencing factors. It might be, you know, perfect world for storm for us would be they use Kong and they're talking to an implementation partner that uses us and works with us. They're talking to Salesforce and they're hearing from all of them that we're good and we're, we know them, they know us. So it's not like for the customer, you've bought four distinct products or four distinct people. And none of them know each other and you're trying to bolt it together. There's an element of synergy already between those quite often which helps the customer, right? It's they're not brokering it and going, well, have you ever heard of this product? Or can yeah. you, we want to integrate it. It's the first time you've done it. Well, okay. It just, be, it's making it, it's getting easier and easier and easier for the customer to digest. And that helps us all, right? It means, it means faster time to value. Um, and the, the quicker you get something up and running and using it, the more likely you are to get success from it and want to expand. Absolutely. And I've got a, um, uh, the next question, I think you probably would have, you, you probably covered it, but um, what would you say you're, you're most excited about in the future with, with Natabox and, and the wider Salesforce and even wider cloud um, you know, industry? I, I, I think the speed of, uh, of um, innovation. Mm. So, you know, we, we have just announced uh, to and shown our customers, funny enough, at our annual event a couple of weeks ago, I think it was last week, some really exciting things, which the Salesforce platform and Lightning and the advancements in Salesforce have enabled, empowered us to do. So, you know, we've announced a thing called Freedom, which means the Salesforce user will be able to have the same CTI interface as a non-Salesforce user, as a mobile user, and flip between them and all see each other. So I'm in Salesforce, great, I can see data or whatever, but 
I'm a non-Salesforce user. We already route calls using Salesforce data, but we're going to go one, you know, a few steps further. How far can we give a non-Salesforce user a Salesforce experience staying within Salesforce's rules and also helping drag that customer, that non-Salesforce user into the Salesforce world because they're starting to get value from it and they see the re- the value of investing. Mm. You know, a lot, most businesses we engage with have a it's very rare we find a business that every single employee is on Salesforce. It'll be, we have 4,000 employees and 600 on Salesforce service cloud and 300 on sales cloud as a random example. Yeah. And then we've got a bit of communities and this and this. Okay. So where's the telephony system? Bring this phone system, but it's run from within Salesforce and you start to get value because of what you've got in Salesforce and the data to all of those users. So suddenly you're extending the value of Salesforce to non-Salesforce users and also exposing them to some of the what's possible. You know, AI is in there with Salesforce and I understand we're doing the same. So we're stepping the game up of the what's possible is becoming much more exciting in terms of the business impact it can have and the outcomes it can have for a business's users. And I think what we're going to see is a growing of the extensibility of Salesforce. Not just for us, others will do the same way. Non-Salesforce users are getting more value from this platform, this data that you're collating on customers, but without the barrier of having to have a full Salesforce license. For example, communities are often used that way today. We're extending that. There are other ways you can you can bring non-Salesforce users into the fold without it being price prohibitive. I, I mean, Salesforce must love you for that as well. When, when you, you know, if you're helping uh, a customer yep. to, to then all of a sudden the user adoption it, it, is going yeah, to Yeah, we work work. with them on a lot of customers now. It's interesting very quickly with where we are a big differential in the customer's decision to go with partner with Salesforce in the very first place because the combined solution, as I said early on, two plus two isn't four, mm. it's six or it's eight. Suddenly the, the customer realizes actually by putting Natabox and Salesforce together instead of um, a different CRM and, I don't know, Avaya or Cisco, we can do these other things that we couldn't do before. And the impact of that is our customer experience and NPS score can be this, or our agents can be 30% more productive in getting through to initial uh, customer contact. Suddenly relate that to impact on the business, that is top and bottom line benefit very quickly. Sounds amazing, um, and I uh, appreciate you've been on. We, you know, we're nearly at the hour mark, so uh, I'll, I'll um, we'll get to the point. of basics, uh, just asking you if there's any, anything else, any other sort of final thoughts or comments or advice that you would like to leave. Um, well, people listening to this, whether they're customers, whether they're looking for a career in Salesforce, or whoever they may be, mm. any any sort of extra comments or advice for those guys. I haven't got any, a sudden gold, golden key, I don't think, but I think the opportunities in the Salesforce ecosystem in the cloud space, I don't think we've even started. And I've been saying this for years in cloud. People have said this is the year of cloud. I've been saying this is the decade of cloud, and it's oh. the one we're about to experience 2020 onwards. Because what we've seen up till now is a lot of the foundation work being done. It feels like it, it, it's not right, but we're still in the infant stage of this techn- all these technologies. You know, we're at cloud, we, we're sort of in the first iteration, we're about to enter the second iteration, which is a more agnostic cloud, a more portable cloud, one where you can link things together far better than you could before. And I go back to my time when I first got into cloud in 2006, 
and we're in a very different world now. We weren't talking then about AWS, Google, and, and Microsoft dominating the cloud hosting space. Look how quickly that's happened. And those platforms haven't stood still. Every year, they're accelerating. They're, you know, they're coming, in effect, they're coming down in price, uh, they're getting more consumable, but going up in, in richness of, of function and capability. We, we, we weren't in a time of that before. That's what the underlying generic cloud technology has given us. AI is only existing, in my opinion, that in the way it is now becoming commonplace because of cloud, because compute power has become so affordable and flexible that innovators, you could start a business tomorrow. If you're really smart, you've come out of um, you know, uh, engineering, you've learned how to do all this stuff, and you've got an idea, you could build something which none of us know exists today where the idea exists, that in 10 years' time could be the biggest company on the planet. Mm. Um, you could build and innovate it without the barriers stopping you. Previously to do that, you'd be, oh, well, crikey, we need, a, we need this much compute power, so we need a couple of million pounds before we can get the stuff we need to do to build a bit of a catch-22. Now, you can spin up compute, you can you know, use platforms like Salesforce to run your business and your cloud solutions and digest them you don't have to go and buy expensive servers and kit and capex to start your business and operate. And as you, as you grow, you can flex. You can buy a system like Salesforce and just add users as you need them. So you're not paying, you know, the entry point for commercial commercials on technology has been lowered to be affordable and compute power. I need to use incredible compute when I test this thing I'm doing, but I only need it for two or three minutes a day to see if it works. Yeah. You can pay per second. So you can do it, right? You, you don't have to invest a million. You can invest two grand a month while you need the compute power. The rest of the time you don't, you're not paying for it. None of that was available. And, that, and be, so because of where we've got to, we're now going to see a compounding effect is it enables and empowers accelerated innovation on the next level. So I think we're going to see new things come out quicker. We're going to see the new Ubers, the new Airbnbs, the new Amazons, not necessarily competing with them, but we're going to see disruption across regions and, and areas of business that none of us have thought of today. I always say there's something out there right now that's on the market that you and me haven't heard of that's an app or something. It just just hasn't got profile yet. Yeah. And you haven't yeah. come across it that is going to be huge in a few years. It's going to be the next Shazam or Spotify, but we just haven't spotted it yet. And we'll be, we'll be all used to it in two or three years and it'll be uh, just commonplace. But it's scary, but it's really exciting. And um, yeah, we uh, will have to, we'll have to have you back on. Cause I think you, cause you're, you're, you know, you, your experience is so vast that you feel, I feel like with, with, and we're chatting now that, that we've skimmed the surface and I feel bad that I want, I need to wrap it up because I think, um, don't worry, don't <laughs> quick, right? but you, yeah, oh, no, it's been amazing. How can people, and I you know, I know with what we've just been talking about, you're very, you're very findable. Um, sure. but with, with what you do and everywhere, everything you're speaking, various different places and no doubt blogging when you have these ideas and you get around to doing them how can people you know approach you if, if you're approachable I'm, I'm assuming you are sure yeah so the easiest two platforms to find me on um is probably twitter and and uh, linkedin and the easy way to find me there is um if you go to dub i was gonna say www should we pass that right that was habit <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you go to ianmoyce.co.uk or ianmoyce.cloud spell m-o-y-s-e that will take you to my um, Twitter and LinkedIn accounts. There, that, that will point you and take you straight there. Brilliant! I'll um, we'll, I'll share that with everybody. Um, 
when we put the the, the show out um ian unless you have anything else you want to say mate oh, that was that was really really good and i really appreciate yeah, your time stuff is you're really really busy so um cool. thank you appreciate very much it. thank you very much for joining us and uh, um hopefully we'll speak again soon look forward to that thank you thanks ian wow well let's um let's all take a deep breath and um maybe go and get a drink and think, think about everything we just uh, digested there from from ian that was that was brilliant um hope you all enjoyed it i will be sharing um a lot of information that, that ian's uh, given us there on, on the, the show notes um, please do comment and share if you like and comment and share if you don't like as well because you know feedback is always um nice to hear um so thank you again to ian Moyes. that was that was fantastic and um, we can follow his career closely as he said on linkedin and twitter um and look forward to uh, to the next episode thank you guys